You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. You guys can have a seat. I want to welcome you to our Sunday gathering, our Easter celebration. Uh, Whether you're a friend, family, first-time visitor, we are so glad that you're here this morning with us to celebrate the risen Christ. Um, If you're new with us, I want you to know that we're so glad that you're here. And if you were early, we're so glad that you got a seat. We're glad that you uh, found a seat. We're a little bit full today. So glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Um, I want to remind us that the primary and central reason that we are here, specifically and especially today, is that the crucified Messiah raised to life on the third day. We believe and we confess that he ascended into heaven and poured out his Holy Spirit, giving birth to a diverse group of people that we call the church. And for over 2,000 years, this gathering of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation has held on to this central message that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died, that he raised. And we are his body, the church. And by his grace, we've received forgiveness of our sins, and we've been adopted into his family, and the whole family around the world is celebrating today on this, this climactic moment of the church. And Redeemer, as a local church, joins in with this one holy and apostolic church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to say from the beginning, that's the primary thing that we are celebrating today. But we're also recognizing that today is a special day for us here at Redeemer because we are celebrating 10 years as a church family. In fact, 10 years, a few claps, that's okay, we'll have time for that. Um, 10 years ago, almost today, or Easter Sunday 10 years ago, we launched our first uh, gathering in 2012. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you were there for that first Sunday? Let's get a count. Yeah. Yeah, it was a low attendance. Su- no, I'm just kidding. We had, we had a good amount of people there. Um, and so this morning, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but we're also looking at how his grace and how his resurrection has been a particular grace to this church family over the past 10 years. And so today, uh, we're we're very simply going to look at 10 years, 10 evidences of God's grace in the life of this church family. And so it's really, it's my first 10-point sermon. Uh, Hang in there. It's going to be okay. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in together. Now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are grateful to gather this Sunday morning and celebrate that Jesus Christ is is risen. We're thankful that not only is he risen and ascended as king, but he is a gracious and merciful king who pours out to undeserving sinners unmerited grace. And we stand this morning to celebrate and testify to that grace, to that king. Lord, as we reflect upon the life of this church, I pray that not only would we, it cause us to reflect upon your grace in our life collectively, collectively, but each person here personally over the last 10 years, how you have met us time and time again with your grace and mercy. Guide us today, Holy Spirit. It is in your name we pray, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Well, one of my favorite scriptures over the last 10 years, it's one of those texts that seems to just pop up from time to time, whether it was a staff devotional or maybe a preaching series or maybe a a personal time in the Word. But one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 103. And the psalm begins like this. In the first two verses, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. The New Living Translation says it like this. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Now, generally speaking, every week when we gather as the church, we're remembering and recalling the good things God has done for us in the gospel of grace. We're we're remembering and and remembering his, his death on our behalf. We're remembering our new identity as his people. We're remembering that he gives justice and compassion and unfailing love. And the psalm would actually, if you read the rest of it, which we'll get to that later, is going to go on to unpack many of these big picture uh, benefits that the Lord ultimately would fulfill in the person and work of Jesus. But as I mentioned earlier, we're not just this morning going to look at the big ideas, the big picture story of grace. We're going to look at how these graces have been particularly good for us over the past 10 years. You see, the psalmist encourages us not to forget because he knows, if you're like me, that you tend to forget, right? We tend to, we tend to just breeze by and we don't think about what has God done in the past month? What has he done in the past year? What has he done over the past decade? But part of our faith is looking to what God has done and giving him glory and praise. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to forget not his benefits to our Redeemer family, and we can't possibly list them all, but I've, I've kind of tried to distill them down to 10 evidences of grace in 10 years. So here we go, um, 10, 10 evidences of grace in 10 years. And the first one is the grace of God's patience, the grace of God's patience with us as a church. Um, in the early days of church planting, we had a lot to learn. That might be saying it lightly. Um, I was 28. I'd never been in full-time ministry. Jordan, I believe, was 24. Is that right, Jordan? 24. Um, Most people on our team were young and inexperienced, or they'd never been a part of a church plant. We did not really know what we were doing um, in in many ways. We had some some ideas, but we didn't really know what we were doing. The first Easter service that we had, we we knew that we expected more than normal uh, people and probably more than normal children. Uh, showing up, and so we, at the place we were meeting, which was Grace Lutheran Church, we decided we needed to find some extra space for kids. Um, thankfully, not many people were here, so, um, and so we, we, I decided, I think it was my fault, I decided that, hey, there's this little room that some people would call a uh, custodial closet, which I thought, I would describe it as more of a small room with some cleaning supplies also in the room. Um, <laughs> But we decide that, hey, we'll make this for, for our top, you know, for like the babies. We'll put them in this, in this little room and have an extra space. And so I think that Sunday we lost a couple of first-time visitors, but we <laughs> learned nonetheless. Um, there was another Sunday where we were doing a, a preaching series on parenting. 
And we had this fun idea, which is still a fun idea, that at the end of the sermon, we would take questions from the congregation. We'd just open it up and we'd say, okay, now what questions do you guys have? Not a horrible idea, but, but we, we learned a lesson. One Sunday, whenever I opened it up after teaching on parenting, and I believe it was a young 20-year-old with no children of his own, uh, who was like the only time he ever visited our church, raised his hand and asked some question to me as I was answering the questions about demon possession and how do we explain that to our kids and went on and on and on in more detail. I won't because there's still children here. But, and, and, and so we learned. You, you, you can't ask questions to the audience sometimes. You just got you to gotta just teach and, and don't ask. Okay, we'll talk about that in private. Um, we probably updated our basics manual if you've taken our intro class, right? We, we joke about that. We probably had about 20 to 30 versions of our basics class, because, not because our values changed, but because we learned. And God was so patient with us to, to allow us to stumble at times and learn how to lead, how to, how to be a church. Um, we also learned, and God was patient with us, through leadership conflict. There's some hard stuff. There's some friends who, who were, were lost because, because we just couldn't figure things out together. And through the pain of it, we learned, we repented. We confess, like Jordan said earlier today, we're not a perfect church. We're not perfect leaders. You weren't perfect, a perfect congregation. We still aren't. But we learned and God was patient with us. We tried to start a church planning network before we even turned three we learn that maybe you should be established a bit as a church before you try to plant churches. <laughs> All this reminds me of what the psalm says in verse uh, 13 and 14. The psalms in Psalm 103 says, As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remem remembers that we are dust. And praise God that he has been so patient to allow us to grow as a church, and it's only by his grace that we're here today. And I hope that as we move forward as a church, we continue to be humble and teachable and learn and grow in Christ. The second thing, second evidence of grace, is that the grace of answered prayers. Um, I can't tell you how many times when we were in process of moving from Lubbock to here to Round Rock that we saw God just answer prayers. Um, we had a house on the market in Lubbock at the time for over five months. Some of you are like, five months on the market? That is unbelievable, right? That, there was a time where a house could sit on the market um, and not have 12 bidders. There's a time and a place. It's Lubbock, Texas, 2010. Um, and and we, we were just, it was time to move, and our house hadn't sold. It wasn't getting many hits. And, and at the last minute, the house sells. We're able to get a house here. It was an answer to prayer. Um, before we moved here to plant, we prayed that God would build us a team and bring people around what we were going to do, so, uh, a team so good or so t uh, talented, in a sense, that we couldn't possibly take credit for what God would do in this church plant. And before I even recruited anyone, uh, a, a, a young man named Jordan Elder, uh, I was a young man too at the time, but, but came to me and said, hey, me and Sammy want to join the team. And I was like, whoa, I didn't, even, I didn't even recruit you. Awesome. God's doing something. Four families from Lubbock decided they would move their uproot their whole life and move from Lubbock to Austin to help us plant. A year into planting, we didn't have a worship leader. And, we, and you didn't want me as your worship leader, right? Many, we might not be here if that would have been the move. 
Um, but a year into planting, uh, a, a young guy emails me and says, hey, um, I, I want to talk to you about maybe your worship leading position. And I, I meet with him and I essentially try to talk him out. I'm like, Luke, we don't have very much money. I'm already suspicious. I'm thinking this guy just wants a job. Um, I try to, you know, run him off. And basically at the end of this conversation, I tell him, look, I can't promise you anything, but I'll promise you we'll love you like family and we'll be family to you. And, uh, he, and, and I guess it worked. Um, God decided to bring Tyler and Brooke Daniel to join this family. Uh, Tyler was our worship leader, later became an elder for over seven years here at Redeemer. Tyler ended up connecting through relationships with Chris Maloney, who's now our worship leader, and God provided. He brought team, pe- team members to, to help plant this church, and there's countless other stories of how God would bring people, families, at just the right time to be a part of what we're doing here. Like I could go on and on. I could tell you many people who moved here who needed jobs and we'd pray for jobs and God would provide a job here and a job there or a house here and a house there. We needed homes to sell and homes sold. We've seen people who are, who are single that, that have longed for, for a spouse and, and we've prayed uh, and seen God answer and a spouse provided. We've seen children who've come to faith, who've come through really hard times from the prayers of their parents. You see, God hasn't always answered when or how we want, but he's been faithful to answer our prayers over these last few years. And I want to just remind us, even in your own life, to recount what you've prayed and how God has answered so that we can stop and give him thanks. Verse 5 of Psalm 103 says, uh, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So many times, God has graciously, when he didn't have to, answered prayers and given us good gifts as his children, and we give him praise for that. Number three, the grace of children. When we first started Redeemer, our family had two kids. Uh, Autumn was five years old. Autumn, where you don't have to stand up. I'm not going to embarrass my children. Um, Emily was, was, was two, uh, very cute two-year-old Emily, I recall. Now, Autumn is 16, Emily's 13. Uh, I think in our first, uh, like, house meeting, we had maybe uh, five or six other kiddos with us. Maybe, maybe there are a few more than that. I know the McNeil family, I think they're actually, the McNeil family, if you know them, their five kiddos are with us. They're now with Redeemer Georgetown, which is so cool to see how God has even moved them to one of our church plants but we didn't have a whole lot of kiddos. And then all of a sudden, and I think it was around 2012, just after we launched there, something got into the water at Redeemer. <laughs> and babies just started to you know, pop up. People who visited, they all had six or seven babies themselves, it seemed like. <laughs> and pretty soon we realized that we were, we were actually not a church plant. We were a children's ministry with a few adults that <laughs> served in kids. But what a blessing to look back and to recall all these kiddos. I can't even, I'll get emotional if I start looking at faces, but all these kiddos that have been born to dedicate them to the Lord. We've dedicated so many of the kiddos in our church to him to see them grow up. And and now we're getting the opportunity to baptize many of these children who've grown up in this church family. Um, Today, we're baptizing eight kiddos uh, that, that have, most of them have grown up in this church family. I'm getting to baptize my own son who's in the kids' class right now. It's, it's a special thing. It's a special gift. And I also don't want to forget um, 
that we've also walked with some of you through really painful loss of, of children, of pregnancies. Some of the deepest and most painful wounds. And yet I've watched many of you, some of you who've experienced that, cling to Jesus, hold fast to him. Not that the wound goes away, but you've been faithful, and he's been faithful to hold you. And that too is a grace that we can remember today. There's others that, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm already getting emotional. Um, there's others that uh, maybe you've, when we talk about children, you're in a difficult season of parenting, or you've had those seasons where it's been, I don't know, man, I don't know if I'm a, this four-year-old's just going to be the death of me, or I'm going to be the death of them, right? <laughs> and yet, all those seasons, and even times when maybe our, our gospel communities you've met, and you've been like, why are we meeting? There's a thousand children here. We can't even discuss the script. Like, why are we even doing this, Right? And yet, through all of that, God has been faithful. And our children are a gift, an evidence of his grace and blessing to us. Maybe today you're walking through a tough season with your child. I just want to remind you that God is faithful. He's not promising a shortcut solution. There's no short, quick uh, solutions often. But he does promise to be with you in the midst of that struggle. And his love is steadfast and faithful. This reminds me of verses 13 through 18 in our psalm. It says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. For as for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Number four, the grace of sending. And we're going to move a little quicker, so you can, you're like, oh, I'm timing that up. We're going to move, we're going to move a little quicker here. The grace of sending. Um, sometimes sending doesn't feel like a grace. Sometimes it feels like a curse. <laughs> We've had the privilege of, even recently we've talked about this, sending out uh, different church plants over the years. We've sent out Soma Austin, Soma San Marcos we partnered with, Center Church we partnered with, Soma Georgetown we've sent uh, people and partnered with, Redeemer Hutto and Redeemer Georgetown. Praise God, they're meeting this Sunday having their first Easter services. We've sent them out. We've had lots of friends and partners here at Redeemer who've done life with us, and we've loved them, and then all of a sudden they say, okay, I've got some news, we're moving. Oh, you know? But how cool is it that many of those relationships, we can, we can truly feel like we're sending them out. We got to run the race for a season, and then we sent them out together. It's truly been a gift to be able to send, to remember what verse 19 in the psalm tells us, that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Ultimately, it's God who places people in our life for a season and then sovereignly moves them, but we trust that he is king over all. Number five, the grace of a meeting space. If, you, if you're new with us, I'll get you up to date on our, our meeting space situation. This is our fifth 
place to meet as a church, okay? So this is our fifth location. Let me run down the locations where we've been before, all right? Our living room, Grace Lutheran Church at 4 p.m. on Sunday evenings, the Bacchus Center at 5 p.m. on Sunday evenings, which in retrospect, we, we, we decided we should have stuck at 4. Um, <laughs> C.D. Folks Elementary uh, Middle School Auditorium, and finally, fifth, the building we are in now. And so each, it's kind of cool to look back. Each season of this church is really represented in those spaces that we've been in. And each one of those spaces has really been an answered prayer that we've said, God, we need a place to meet. I remember from the first time that we got to meet at Grace Lutheran Church, I remember going up to different churches and just walking up and being like, hey, uh, I'm planting a church. You guys using the building at 4 p.m. on Sunday? And people just like, what the heck? You know? <laughs> I remember going into St. William's Catholic, and I was just like, oh, never mind, you know, never mind. I'm gonna, uh, I, <laughs> they were like, what the heck? Who are you? Um, I love our, love our brothers and sisters. Um, this building, though, I will tell you a little bit of the story of this building. Some of you are like, I know the story, but I'll tell you again. Um, about a year before we moved into this building, we began to pray for a permanent space. This was 2016. Um, and honestly, it felt like one of those prayers that you pray, but in the other side of your mind, you're like, and it'll never happen. Like, <laughs> Lord, please give us a meeting space. And like their little devil in your show, like, and that's not going to ever happen. So, but we prayed it. And in the fall of 2016, there was a space that we thought was actually going to work out for us. We got excited about it. We got all our financials together. We got our whole team, you know, our whole team and membership praying for it. And we get to the last bit of the meeting before it would like kind of go to where we'd sign a contract. And we meet with the city of Round Rock and realize there's too many issues. It's not going to work. And so this is like uh, sometime late fall 2016. And around that same time, we hear from the school that we're meeting in that, oh, by the way, you've got to be out of CD Folks by May. And so we're like, oh, dang it. Um, we're homeless again. You know, we don't have, we don't have a place to meet. Um, well, needless to say, that December 2016, I feel like, was one of the most down we've been as, as a leadership team. But fast forward to February 2017, we're all up at our offices back when we were downtown, and we got a call from one of the pastors in town and said, hey, just want to let you guys know that a buddy of mine is about, he actually uh, owns a church that he's, that he's leased to other churches over the years, and he's kind of fed up with that, and he's ready to sell it. And, uh, and so we're like, oh yeah, where, where is it? And so we get the address, we jump in the car, all of our elders happen to be, I think we'd just eaten lunch together, so we drive over here, it's this building, secret's out. Um, <laughs> this building, the owner was here, so he lets us in, we get to see it and talk to him, and, and I will say it took miraculous vision uh, at that point, I'll show you the pictures later. Uh, it needed a little bit of love, this building did, still needs a lot of love, but we, since, we'd, since we'd already gone through all the financials and all the work of what would it take in the fall, earlier in the fall of 2016, we kind of had all our ducks in a row. We were able to get our deacons and all our leadership to look at the building, give us feedback. And within two weeks, we were able to make an offer on this building, and it was accepted. And we got in, and God provided a space for us. This is almost five years ago, by the way. I can't believe it's almost been five years. And... Praise God, this past fall, we got to pay off the building and celebrate, yeah, that God provided a space for us. And I, I don't want us to forget as we move forward how 
unlikely and how miraculous being here actually is. The church is not a building. We also want to say that. But it is a blessing to the church to have this space. It's been a huge blessing to us as a church family. Um, Grace number six, the grace of relationships. Uh, One of the unique joys of serving as a pastor is that you get to see all kind of the church as a whole. And one of the coolest things over the years has been seeing different gospel communities that might start off and everyone in the group is kind of strangers. It's kind of awkward with one another. And then a couple years go by, a couple events happen and they become family. And you get to see these relationships form and people connect that previously didn't even know each other and now they're taking one another meals or babysitting kids or going on vacations together. They're having hard, good conversations with one another. But one of the gifts God has given us is the relationships that are formed in this church family. I want to say this. You, when, when we get to the end of our life, will not look back and say, oh, that, that Redeemer, that idea of Redeemer was so cool, was so hip, they had such good branding. Remember those slogans? Remember those graphics? Remember, like, remember this cool class they had? We, we're not going to think about Redeemer as a, as, a, as a brand or a name, but those people and those relationships those people who you walked with through hard times and, 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 and stayed with and were committed with, even if we don't live in the same city, we're going to remember those faces and names, both the hardship of it and the blessing of it. And we'll get to enjoy those relationships forever in the new creation with King Jesus. Seven, the grace of salvation and new life. We've seen many people far from Jesus start to walk with him. We've seen many children who've grown up who decide they want to follow him. This year, we're continuing to pray that we would recover just an evangelistic fervency to share the grace that we've been given with our neighbors and all who would receive it. Number eight, the grace of generosity. I can't tell you how many financial needs have come up in this church and we've just seen people meet those needs. I need a car and a car's provided. All of a sudden, it's paid for. I need a, a place to live, and all of a sudden, one of our realtors is finding a place to live and, and, and helping, helping work out the details. I need debt paid. I've seen thousands of dollars in debt paid by people in this church. Medical bills paid. I, I can't tell you. I bet we've, I bet we've taken over 1,000, maybe 2,000 meals to people who've had babies or been in the hospital or sick. I mean, I bet we've set a record for a church our size for how many meals. Like the subscriptions, those meal train things, I bet we've been the sole supporter of those. But what a gift that with the resources God has given us, we've been able to be generous and feel the blessing, feel what Jesus says when he says it is better to give than to receive. Number nine, we've, we've got to experience the gift, the grace of Sunday worship. Simple, often unimpressive, maybe back in the day, sometimes awkward, but consistently from day one. We've had scripture, preaching, sacrament, consistently focused on Christ. Can't tell you how many times, there's been forgettable sermons, but there's been so many sermons, no matter who the speaker is or the teacher, that, that it's, it's pastors, just the right word for this season. God has faithfully worked through the simple teaching of the word and the sacraments. I did a rough estimate on how many times we've gathered over these past 10 years. And I, was on the, I think I'm on the lower side. I think we've had at least 450 gatherings 
on Sunday since we've been to church, probably a little higher than that. Some of them with no AC, some of them with fans. Have you ever tried preaching into a room full of fans? And I'm not talking about people who love you, literal fans. How many of you remember the Fan Sunday? Remember Fan Sunday? Anybody? Okay, thank you, a few people. You, were you preaching? I thought I was preaching. Um, some awkward music when you have a guest musician come in and maybe it wasn't quite the style you expected. Some Sundays with roaring kids with the, when the ladies are off at the women's retreat. That's like survival Sunday. I mean, goodness. Kids on stage. We're just like, help us, Jesus. Some Sundays with interesting visitors who were, you know, wondering like, oh, who's, who's this guy coming in? We love everyone. Everyone is welcome, but we're, you know, um, a little suspicious there. We've had some Sundays outside. Who would ever expected 2020? Outside, where Geico banners are flying by and a fence is being built as we're preaching the sermon. We've had some Sundays on Zoom. Never saw that one coming. But through it all, Jesus has met with us through the simple means of his word and sacrament. And it's been a grace that has sustained us as a church family over these years. Number 10, I want to close with this, and most importantly, the grace of a risen Savior. That hidden behind all the activity, all the good that has gone on in the life of this church, even in the mess of this church, there's a resurrected and reigning Messiah. There's a king who's defeated death and the grave, who ascended to the place of rule in heaven, who's been pouring out his spirit into his body, the church, for thousands of years. And we've got to be one tiny blip of that story. God has graciously allowed us to be a part of his body, the church, with all our imperfections and weakness. He's filled us with his spirit in order to make known the manifold and hidden wisdom of God through us. See, here's, here's the secret behind all that has gone on in the church. And we're not bragging about it. We're not saying it's great. In fact, we'll confess that it's been imperfect. But the secret is that we stand here as a witness and a testimony that there is a risen Savior seated on the throne in heaven. We get to play that small slither in our community, in our city, in, our, in this particular place to say Jesus Christ is Lord. And our gathering, our coming together around him is an evidence of that hidden, invisible reality. And this is what we celebrate today, that Jesus not only died, but he rose and he reigns. And all the grace that we've tasted, just a little bit that we've talked about this morning, is merely a foretaste of what is to come in the new creation. Just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that just as Jesus resurrected from the dead, that all those who trust in Jesus will also be raised like he was. See, we still live in an age of sin and death where there's hard. There's no promise that these next 10 years, we're not saying it's just up and to the right, right? It's just always getting better. 
But there is a promise that God is going to kind of give these little samplings of grace. He's going to pour out mercy and timely goodness. He's going to sustain us throughout whatever comes. But ultimately what is coming is resurrection. Is that the resurrected Messiah will come again for his people. He will come again as we confess in the creeds to judge the living and the dead. And all who put their faith in Jesus All who trust in him are promised that they will be a part of the new creation. That every wrong will be made right. And our hope, church, is that we get to be a tangible evidence of that coming grace in this present moment. That all that I just talked about would not be to point that, hey, look how cool Redeemer is. Wow, let's Instagram and and again, nothing against that. I don't mean to slam that. But it's not about us. It's not about our brand. It's us being an imperfect, tangible witness to say Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and we want you, friend, family, neighbor, city, to know that He reigns. And His reign is good. And His reign is gracious. And for anyone who would come to Him, sinner, or all of us sinners, He would give the right to be called sons and daughters of God. That's why we're here. To be a witness to His grace a small sign to this hidden reality. And so I want to close with this just by asking you, I know there's visitors and people who are here, maybe, maybe you haven't been to church in a while, and I just want to let you in on a little secret. All those church people, they're no better than you. But we do believe that God's grace is for you as well, for anyone who would come to Christ. And so this morning, I want to to just invite you, if you haven't turned to Jesus, if you haven't come to him, you can do that this morning. You can say, hey, I need that grace. Come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Jordan, one of our other elders. We'd love to talk with you more about that. For those who are already in Christ, we want you this morning, as we recall the Lord's goodness, to remember that in your own life. To take some time today or tomorrow and reflect upon the evidences of grace that the risen Savior has poured out in your family, in your life. And I want to close just by reading this entire psalm over us as a way of blessing God and giving Him thanks for these last ten years. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions for us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord 
is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, the mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord on all in his works, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.